You are listening to another exclusive podcast from Pituitary World News. I'm Jorge Fascinetti, and welcome to 2022 and the eighth season of the Pituitary World News podcast. To launch Season 8, our first podcast of 2022, I'm delighted to welcome to our microphones Brandy Moody. Brandy has quite a story to tell us about her battle with Cushing's disease. Brandy is also an accomplished artist, blogger, and musician. And we will put a link to her blog and videos in this podcast article so you can see it for yourself. Brandy has also a fascinating job but I'm going to let her tell us all about that. We caught up with Brandy a few days before the holidays to chat about her experiences in what proved to be a very interesting chat. Good afternoon, Brandy. Welcome to the Pituitary World News Podcast. It's delighted to have you here. Uh, So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. So I want to start with um, your profession. You do, tell us what you do, because it's so interesting. I've been reading about it on your blog and on your bio sheet. Uh, So tell us what you do and how you got interested in doing that. Sure, sure. So um, I am an American Sign Language interpreter, which is an interpreter for the deaf and hard of hearing. I actually started that journey learning American Sign Language in high school. So 2011 is when I started. Um, There was like a, what was it? There was a showcase for music and they were interpreting music and music is actually my first passion. So that's why I was like, I have to do that. So I started learning it in high school. And then my teacher was like, you know what? Like, you're actually really good at this. You should pursue interpreting. So I went ahead and I got my interpreting certificate at Palomar College, and I've been interpreting ever since. That's, that's fascinating. It's fascinating that you said that music was your first passion, mm-hmm. because I've read somewhere where music and, and languages go hand in hand, and mathematics. I don't know if yep. you're good at math or not. But, uh, really, but. <laughs> yeah. uh, so tell me about the, your music, what kind of music you like? And Sure. So yeah. I'm an old soul. So I like all the good oldies, oh, you wonderful. Know, Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, yeah. oh. Luther Vandross, all of them. But I actually am into R&B. I sing. Uh-huh. Oh, so, great. Yeah, I do a little bit of that. So, so do you think the music helped you in sign language? Actually, it did. It helped me expand my vocabulary a lot. It didn't really help with the grammar part of sign language, but it definitely helped me build a nice vocabulary. Yeah. Once you learn learn another language, is it easier for you to to say, "I want to I want to go now learn another language"? Or actually, it's interesting you say that because I do want to learn. Uh, what is it? Spanish sign language. Yeah. yeah. And I want to learn Japanese sign language. So. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see That's fascinating. To me, I, I was born in a Spanish-speaking country and learned mm-hmm. English. I, well, my grandparents were Scottish, but uh, so I spoke English since I was little. Mm-hmm. But Italian was something I studied, and I found oh. it to be very easy because it was um, 
you know, once you know one, it's, it's I think it's easy to, to pick up to, more. To pick up more. Yeah. So, so I also understand that you had a really interesting uh, journey with your pituitary disease. So I, I wanted to ask you, tell us a little bit about that and how you first noticed there was something that was not right. Sure. And, yeah. You know, how, how, how long did that take? Yeah. So I want to say the first changes that I saw was in 2017. And um, it was really the visible changes in my appearance mm-hmm. that caught my attention. I thought maybe, you know, I'm getting older. I was probably like 21 at the time, 22. I was getting older. So everyone was telling me, you know, your metabolism changes. You're just growing into your woman body instead of being, you know, a young teenage girl. So I took that and I was like, okay, maybe they're right. But it wasn't just weight gain. It was my, my face was changing Mm -hmm. and which would be known as the moon face. It wasn't blown out moon face, but you could tell, like I was starting to look different. Mm -hmm. And, um, in retrospect, actually, I think the first symptom that now that I look back on it, I think was the emotional instability. I think that was a big part, but you know, I thought maybe I'm just emotional, just brushed it off. So those were the two most um, prominent. Yeah, I think that, you know, that, that, that is very common. I remember thinking the same way as I, my journey was really long, yeah. uh, some almost 28 years. But, wow. uh, but uh, the same thing, you know, you wonder, well, okay, that's how you're aging. You know, that's just normal. You don't, you don't realize that it's something that it's not, that it's not normal. Right. So right. how long did it take since that you remember your onset? on symptoms to somebody said, this is what you, that was actually 2020, 2020. So three years. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, you know, I I think mine is long. I mean, even, even three, even one year is too long. Yeah. I feel honestly, I feel so lucky though, because most Cushing's patients don't know until five plus years. So I feel like because I was so in tune with my body, I was just on it and I was doing my own research and mm-hmm. that's why I, I had to take it to a doctor. I knew something. So, so when you went to the doctor, you told the doctor, I think I have this, or is there something wrong with me here, the symptoms? Well, you- initially, I thought, before I even thought about Cushing's, I thought it was like a food intolerance or like a food mm-hmm. allergy. Maybe I was eating the wrong things to make me gain weight. Yeah. And then, um, so I got that done, that test done, and it turned out I had an intolerance to like five, six different things. So I started avoiding them, but yeah. even after avoiding them, I didn't see any changes. So I went ahead and I was like, you know what, maybe I need to get my hormones checked. And I did some research and I narrowed it down to PCOS or Cushing's disease. Yeah. I listed every single one of my uh, symptoms and I narrowed it down to those two. So um, eventually I took that to my primary care doctor and I said, you know, would you mind testing my cortisol? Because I think I have Cushing's, but she looked at me and this is very typical for a Cushing's patient. She yeah. looked at me and said, you know what? I don't think you have Cushing's. And I was like, okay. You know, I just believed her, but even yeah. though I knew something was wrong and I was like, okay, maybe it's not Cushing's, but what she did was she ran a blood test. And in that blood test, she found that my white blood cell count was high. So that was the only indicator that allowed me to be sent to another doctor. 
so she could do a referral just by that. And then, so then what happened when you went to the other doctor? Yeah. So um, she referred me to a hematologist uh-huh. and he did another blood panel and said, yep, your uh, white blood cell count is high. And he said, I don't think it has anything to do with, you know, leukemia or cancer or anything to do with the blood. And he said, it seems like inflammation. So he said, I'm going to go ahead and refer you to an endocrinologist. And that's when I finally met my endocrinologist. Yeah. What's interesting is that it was your uh, advocating for yourself and your research that Mm -hmm. actually you zeroed it in, you zeroed in before, before the physicians did. What happens many times, as you know, now is that people get uh, uh, you know, they suffer with this disease for many, many years and somebody for some unknown reason suspects something and in, indeed is a suspicion that, that, that makes the diagnosis. This is a very interesting experience because you may have some insight in the doctor-patient relationship and the, what it takes to get, you know, to get to a, to a diagnosis of yeah. a rare disease. You, you would think that the suspicion would come earlier when you tell a primary care doc listen I think you know maybe maybe they should send you to get a, a cortisol level mm-hmm. there and that would have probably gotten the answer that sooner yeah do, yeah do you have any insight or any thoughts on that and um well first from the patient perspective I want to yeah. say that they should do their own research for sure if yeah. they feel like something is wrong with their body and they know something is off which I am a believer that no one knows your body better than you do because you I agree. Yeah. You know, the changes, it's like a sense. So I think we should educate on our, educate ourselves on, you know, what's going on, but from the doctor's perspective, I think they just need to listen more to what the patient is, you know, expressing to them. Because in my case, like I said, I went ahead and said, I think I have Cushing's. Would you mind testing me for my cortisol? And they automatically dismissed it. So I think if a patient has a concern, the doctor should just listen and just go along with it because you never know what'll happen. This is this is actually my second brain tumor. And wow. first it's a dip, yeah. So my first one is a tectoglioma and it uh-huh. caused hydrocephalus. This is not the first time I've had a doctor tell me that nothing is wrong with nothing, me. Yeah. So you had that experience uh, of, of uh, somebody said, no, no, go home. There's yeah. nothing wrong. So and I think, yeah, I think that's why I was so adamant on getting the doctor to listen to me because I had that experience before. Many patients go from doctor to doctor to doctor for much longer than you yeah. have. So I think your efforts in learning about what was wrong with your body or trying to understand it pushes mm-hmm. the diagnosis faster. You mentioned uh, some emotional issues that you had. And that, that was a trigger for you to say, there's something wrong with me. Tell me about, a little bit about that. Sure. So, um, where do I even start with that one? Honestly, I feel like the emotional and cognitive and psychological parts of Cushing's is the least it's getting the least amount of attention. I I feel like most people, you know, are worried, which I was too focused on appearance and all the other symptoms that we'll probably get into. But the psychological one is honestly, it's, the most damaging, in my opinion, because it takes away from normalcy. You, you feel like a little bit out of control, no? Right, exactly. Yeah. So in my experience, 
I suffered from panic attacks, which I had never had before in my life. I didn't know what a panic attack was until mm-hmm. one day I was sitting at my desk. At, luckily, I worked from home. So yeah. I was working at home through this whole diagnosis process. Yeah. But I just felt this rush of uncertainty. And it was like an adre- adrenaline sorry. <laughs> it no, was no. like an adrenaline rush. Right. Yeah. And I just felt my heart pumping like crazy. It was honestly one of the most scariest feelings I've ever felt. I didn't know what was happening. So panic attacks, anxiety, and this is something rather new to me. I don't know if there is a link between Cushing's disease and obsessive compulsive disorder, but I I'm actually going to go to a doctor to see if I have OCD because Mm -hmm. I feel like that could be a factor of Cushing's really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, there's, you're absolutely correct that the mental and emotional health connection aspects is, you know, not understood, but there. Yeah. And uh, I think it's, it's a, it's a tremendously underserved, part of any pituitary disease, anybody that I have talked to with, not just Cushing's, but acromegalia, hypopituitarism, or other, other pituitary, it's just, it's just common sense that, you know, your hormones go upside down and, it, you know, that, that yeah. has to generate a tremendous amount of anxiety. We've all, oh, we've all felt it. What would you tell people, if I could have talked to somebody as I was going through the same, what would you say to them? I would definitely start off with telling them to not give up and to keep advocating for themselves and to trust themselves because that is the most important thing to trust yourself. But um, I would also recommend joining a support group. I don't know Mm -hmm. if maybe Facebook, I know Facebook has three support groups that I'm actually in. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's people out there who have this disease and are fighting for it. So um, I would also recommend you know, just doing their research about people, people's success stories, because oftentimes when you're diagnosed with Cushing's, you've been, you know, overweight for the longest time, tired for the longest time. You think that it's never going to end. You think that you're never going to go back to your normal self, which is true to an extent. But when you reach that new self after diagnosis, after treatment, it'll be way better. Life will be way better. Did you find that talking to somebody that has Cushing's um, helped you or? Um, I did, but it wasn't my main source of hope. Okay. It wasn't. Yeah. I think my main source of hope was the support system I had with my friends, my family, and my significant other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's good. Well, that's, that's good because many people don't have a good support systems and sometimes yeah. uh, groups uh, become that or I've heard many times people say well you know you when you tell somebody else with a pituitary disease that you're tired they immediately understand what you're talking about mm-hmm. you know? so as you have been now in this in this journey uh, tell me what the, the your challenges are what, what, the, what are the biggest challenges that you face um During my diagnosis process, I want to say the biggest challenge was losing my identity. I feel like that was the biggest challenge because even, not even to myself, but to other people, when I would go out to say Target Mm -hmm. and I've seen someone that I've known in the past who who was unaware of 
what I'm going through, you know, they'll take a double look at me and be like, Brandy, is that you? Like, I'm totally what, unrecognizable. What happened? You know? Yeah. Like what yeah. happened, you know? Yeah. And I also noticed that living in this society that we live in, people will treat you a certain way because of how you look. I've always been skinny my whole life. I've always been treated a certain way. Right. And when I gained weight, everyone looked at me completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really sad, actually. It truly is. Yeah. yeah. So let's shift a little bit our discussion. Tell me about your blog. You started a blog and you've done a bunch of videos too that I, I was watching. They're yes. very good. Yes, and we're going to put a link. <laughs> We're going to put a link to your blog on this on the article at, awesome, where the podcast goes, and some of the videos. So if people want to reach out to you and chat with you yeah, about sure. your experience, that would be great. So tell me about the blog, sort of a creative exercise, no? Sure, yeah, it really is. Honestly, um, I've always loved writing, and I've always wanted to make a blog, but I've never had anything to really write about. <laughs> My life was boring until Cushing's disease. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like, like the gift, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, um, you know, I said, I have to use my talent for something. So if I decided to document the process, I have, I don't know how many posts I have on there, but I just know that it was a method of release in a sense, because I had all this built up tension and it was just my way for self-expression and to really document. So I don't forget because Cushing's disease causes, you know, cognitive uh, deficits. So memory loss, all that fun stuff. So I thought it was a nice kind of time capsule that I can look back on and read and put myself in that experience once I was out of it. Yeah, yeah. it's um, sort of cathartic. I, I remember the first time I was asked to write, you know, my story, I said, I don't want to, I have nothing to write. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just didn't know where to start, honestly. Yeah. And then you do it and it's just, you realize how, what a great uh, thing to be able to do, yeah. to write your story and just push it out there. And the videos actually yeah so the videos i do have youtube yeah. videos that i put up um which are the one that i do have is in sign language and there's a voiceover of me interpreting it so it's accessible <laughs> but, okay uh, yeah <laughs> but i noticed actually i got quite a few comments on that post and i've had people find me on instagram through there you know who think they have Cushing's and I've kind of been like their go-to person to vent. But um, after that, I ended up posting an image, a before and after image on Instagram. And that one, I have maybe like 10 people who suspect I have Cushing's reaching out to me on a daily basis, you know, updating yeah. me on their journey. That's, so it's nice. That's really good. So have you ever seen anyone on the street or somewhere where you say, wonder if this person has Cushing's or you know I have and it's so sad because I want to approach them and tell them like hey but I don't want to be rude you know yeah yeah. oh my gosh but I have it's funny you brought that up well it's pretty I I brought it up because we experienced I've like I've experienced it too and we've written about it and a matter of fact a bunch of years ago we wrote an article and asked people to give us their there, there. Have you ever seen somebody? And what would you do? Yeah. And I, I will tell you, I couldn't do it. Me either. The two opportunities that I had, I couldn't get up and enough mustard to get out and say, 
I think there's something wrong with you. You need to go get checked. What do you think? Yeah, especially like a random stranger. Yeah. What are they? How are they going to yeah. react? But on the other hand, on the other side, I think it's age. You know, I'm much older than you are. But uh, I, my son, for example, who's in his 30s, uh, noticed somebody with a, a, a features that felt like acromegaly, and he said, he went and told him. I said, "Hey, you look like my dad, and you need to go." Oh wow, he did. What did <laughs> he, he, what did he say? Huh? The what person went and got checked and got. Uh, had a pituitary tumor and oh. was cured because they were able to take the whole tumor. So, See, we uh, think so it's, it's rare. It's fascinating. It yeah. Just uneducated. Yeah. Do you yeah. find that once you know about it, you're, it's feels like it's not as rare? Yes, I do feel like that because yeah. I know experience with the doctors and how they easily dismiss, you know, and I feel like they're just, deprived of the opportunity to really investigate yeah. or maybe they just don't think anything is wrong with them and don't they aren't in tune with their body so they yeah. are unaware of what changes they're experiencing yeah. so that could be a thing too do you think and you know you're a sign language expert obviously you know a lot about communications do you think that communications has a role to play in awareness of their of these diseases do, do you think we could get primary care physicians to suspect something sooner rather than later i think we could if it's mm -hmm. if it's that captivating if we put out something that's captivating and yeah. gets their attention and makes them think hmm maybe i i think i had a patient that looked like that but why didn't i do anything i think it's about self-analyzing yeah. if we can get the doctors to really think in a different perspective i think yeah that would work, yeah. I've been told by several physicians, including mine, that missed mine for so many years, that acromegaly, and I, I think Cushing's is very similar. This is a disease that you miss only once. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's really true. Uh, yeah. That's why I think that, you know, if there's awareness out there, then we can, uh, at least if we can have one doctor suspect it earlier than he would have, mm -hmm. just because he saw an interesting article or read an interesting yeah. story or a blog like yours mm -hmm. or uh, your video or whatever it is that we put mm -hmm. out there. I think that is wonderful work. So I thank yeah. you for, from the bottom of my heart for, for doing it. And we are going to sign you up to help us on all this awareness stuff. Because yeah, 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 that'd be awesome. I do want to say, um, I don't know if my endocrinologist is ever going to listen to this, but if he does, I just want to thank him so much because I've heard horror stories about endocrinologists not listening. But as soon as I, as soon as I got to him, I said, please test my cortisol. Yeah. He said, okay. Yeah. He didn't fight me. He just went with it. And we were a team. Yeah. He helped me get the diagnosis within a year. Well, he, he probably looked at him and said, oh, my God, somebody needs to check the cortisol. Well, it's so, yeah, it's so interesting, though. It was over Zoom. Plus, yeah. he had oh. no, like, he had no idea what I looked like in person. Yeah. I mean, to a person who didn't know me prior to Cushing's, they would think I was normal. You, you brought up something really interesting. You were diagnosed during COVID. Yes, I okay, was so diagnosed. Tell, tell me about that. Well, let me tell you, it was challenging because I had all televisits. Yeah. I never saw my doctor in person. I actually went two days ago, and that's the first time I met him in person. Oh, for a how was that? Yeah, it was, it was cool. It was yeah. cool. But unfortunately, he's retiring in March. Uh, yeah. So I'm a little sad about that. But yeah, COVID. 
I mean, as far as getting tested, everything was pretty normal, except for, you know, wear your mask and social distance yeah. doing the blood test. Um, but surgery was where it got interesting. So when I had my, I can, I'm sorry, I cannot remember the name of the procedure, but it's when they go up the nose. I think it's or transphenoidal. Trans- yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The transphenoidal yeah. surgery. Yeah. <laughs> so when I went in for that, oh my gosh, my mom couldn't stay, you know, she was, she's, so you're she's by yourself. my yeah. first, yeah. She was with my first surgery, but this time she wasn't able to go. And it was so lonely. I was in the hospital for maybe three nights, four nights. Didn't have any contact except for with my nurses. Yeah. And had to wear a mask, even yeah. though I could barely breathe because my nose was all clogged from the procedure. So it was very lonely. Very lonely. You mentioned in our conversation before we started uh, our, our podcast that you had written a song. Yes. And, yes. and tell, tell me about that. Yeah. So um, it came, honestly, it came to me when I was driving in the rain yesterday. And I was just thinking like, the rain is so beautiful. It's sad, but happy at the same time. And it made me like think about my personal journey with Cushing's and the anxiety and restlessness and emotional instability. And I was like, you know what? I need to write a song about it. So I actually did write a song and recorded a song yesterday. That's wonderful. It's called Rainy Days. Yes. And it's about, you know, anxiety and yeah. that kind of thing and dealing with it. Yeah. So will you let us know when you publish it? And um, I'll probably release it on Spotify. Spotify. I think, yeah, I might do a music video for it. We'll see. So YouTube. Well, let us know. Yeah. Of course. I think yeah. it's so wonderful that you can, that you have um, the creative outlet to do mm-hmm. that. It, it definitely uh, helps. In encouraging people to find their, or their song, you know, or go paint or do something. Yes. That, do something that, to yeah. express and release all that. Yeah. Or do nothing. You know, the Italians, <laughs> Italians have this saying called la dolce far niente, which roughly translated means the, the beauty of doing nothing. You know, oh, wow. sort of, sort of concentrating and not being involved in anything. Yeah, it's know? kind of like being in a meditative state. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy nothing. Yes. Yeah. Just sitting down, <laughs> like have, a cup, have a cup of coffee, and watch the world go by. You know, that's Enjoy that's nothing. also cool. <laughs> well, Brandy, I I want to thank you very much for taking the time to chat with with me. I know it's probably been a uh, not probably it's been. Uh, <laughs> What a heck of a journey for you. Sure has. uh, We hope we can do a few things together. Yes, we will. We will. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here and thank you so much for having me. (laughs) It's my pleasure. This is Jorge Fascinetti, Pituitary World News co-founder and chief editor. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. I also wanted to let you know that beginning in early 2022, Pituitary World News will go live with a weekly radio talk show. This one and a half hour show will feature roundtable discussions with experts and thought leaders in pituitary disease and related aspects of medicine. Please stay tuned for programming details and a formal announcement. The show will air weekly and will be available as a podcast after the live broadcast. 
We hope you will tune in and participate by calling in. Thank you for listening.